Tonight at Ground Zero Ministries, we're going to continue down through our, our Bible teaching, and tonight's message is on the book of Zephaniah. You know, Zephaniah is a prophet in the end of the Old Testament. He probably was um, living in the last few decades of the existence of Judah. You know, and as things were changing in Israel, you know, he was talking about removing idols and restoring the temple because they were worshiping all these other gods in Israel. You know, if you've been here, we've been talking about this and talking about this week in and week out, how Israel, you know, is called to, to worship just Yahweh, and they have God's temple and God's presence has been in that temple, but because they want things to happen their way, they constantly start choosing the gods of the tribes that are around them. You know, and over and over and over again, we see how this brings destruction and injustice and pain and suffering into the land. You know, and it's very similar to what we have going on in our culture now. We see all these different types of injustices. You know, the news is riddled with them. You know, and we see all these different types of idol worship. Is it the same as what they're doing back then? No. But if you were to really look at some of the root systems of the stuff that they were doing, we would see that in our own country and especially other pagan countries around the world as they continue to worship the same gods that were around back then. You know, worshiping other gods is what is entrenched in those people's lives and what's been entrenched in our lives. You know, would we openly say that I worshiped another god? No, we wouldn't, technically. However, you know, everything that I did is I chased drugs and alcohol. I gave all my time to it. I gave all my money to it. I couldn't live without it. I tried to evangelize other people to it. I tried to get them to offer their money for it. So when we look at how the church is built, that same type of worship, we see it as a counterfeit in our addiction. You know, how many times have we, I can't live without it. I have to get into the presence of said substance, or I have to be around said people. Or I have to get on the internet one more time. Or I just need one more cupcake. Whatever it is that we have an addiction to, I just need it. Right? And that thing is going to make my day better. That thing is going to make me feel better. And I can't have peace until I get it. And we have to take that same determination and somehow turn that to Jesus. And as we turn that to Jesus, he is the only thing that can come into our broken hearts and satisfy us. But as this type of worship is in this land, even though that there is good people trying to do the right things, the corruption is, is sometimes too entrenched. You know, Josiah was one of the last good kings in the Old Testament, and he was trying to, to lead his people out of this type of worship. You know, he was trying to destroy the idol and he was trying to rebuild the temple. But this type of idol worship was so entrenched in the people that his efforts were brought down to, to no avail. You know, and he set himself up to a tragic death because of his pride. How many times has our pride not allowed us to humble ourselves and we find ourselves in wonderful situations that everything comes crashing down around us? We hate being told no. We hate being told we have to do it. Right? The fun part is, is that we usually don't know how to do it and we have to listen to somebody else, but we really don't like that whole concept at all. You know, our ego, ego loves to be 
inflated. We love to be told that we're awesome. We love to be told that we can do whatever we want to do, you know. And the problem is, is that sometimes we just need to realize that we have to humble ourselves before God. And even crazier of a concept is that sometimes we have to humble ourselves around people and listen to what they have to say. Zephaniah was prophesying to the leaders of Jerusalem for years, telling them what was about to take place. And no one wanted to humble themselves and listen. How many times in our lives have been people telling us that you should do this and not do that, you should stay away from him and definitely leave her alone, and we're like, no, I love him, you know, and tragedy takes place over and over and over again. We have the same cycles that continue in our lives. We're like, why is this happening to us? Why is this happening to me? This is not fair, right? But yet there's people in our lives that are saying, hey, maybe you should try it this other way. I don't want to do it that way. I want to do it my way, Right? And we have the same concepts, the same principles alive in our lives that continue to bring us to these places where we can choose this new way, different way, or continue to do it our way, and usually pain happens. Oh, I'm just speaking for myself, by the way. <clears throat> you know, Josiah sets himself up on this collision course. How many times have we been on a collision course? But he's having a collision course with an army, and that army is Babylon. You know, and Zephaniah has seen this coming for years. You know, and he'd been warning people. He'd been telling them what needs to take place. He's been telling them that we need to, to turn back to God. He's been telling them that they need to stop worshiping other idols. How many times have people told us that we need to get sober, or we need to stay away from said people, or we need to bring change or correction in these types of areas? his writings for summarizing this message from God. You know, Zephaniah was telling God's people about the order that God was trying to reverse that had been taking place. You know, in Genesis, you know, we see how God is creating. In Zephaniah, in this poem, he's talking about how God is going to bring destruction. He's going to bring back disorder. He's going to bring back darkness. He's going to bring back chaos in an unthinkable manner that he's recording these things because he can see the chaos that's coming. You know, I can't imagine what it would be like to be in a city 2,000 years ago and an army shows up at your doorstep that has so many people that you can't even count and all they want to do is kill you. That we can't imagine that today. You know, that we live in a very safe culture, that we get to roam around and do basically whatever we want to do. But that isn't the case in everywhere in the world. You know, there is very despicable and evil people that are doing very similar things in other parts of this world still today. Because evil runs true no matter where you go. You know, and Zephaniah is warning them if they don't repent and turn to God, that all these painful things are going to start to take place. So he has this powerful poetic images that describe how Jerusalem is going to, to come to an end. And all these cities' institutions for worshiping other gods, the, the gods of the Canaanite, will be destroyed. Their economic systems that had crooked lenders and crooked borrowing, we see that in this world today, took place. And all these things are going to be gone along with the city walls. And the people in that day said, no, no one can touch us. You know, how many times in our lives we're like, no, I'm indestructible. You know, they can't get me. I'm, that's not going to happen to me. You know, and then lo and behold, 
we get to wear orange jumpsuit and pretty little handcuffs bracelets. You know, they're just trying to take my fun away. <clears throat> you know, but Zephaniah is creating this apocalyptic image to show the severity of what's going on and what's going to happen. You know, how many times have people warned us if we keep going in this direction, parole is coming, probation's coming, you know, death could potentially come. You know, and if you're in any sort of addiction, that we probably know some people that aren't here today. You know, and we're lucky to be on this side, and I can't explain why they aren't here, and I'm not even attempting to. And, you know, we've all lost people that are, you know, dear to our hearts. One of my best friends, you know, passed away, you know, three years ago. You know, and I got the great opportunity to do his funeral. And that was crazy for me, you know, to think that just 10 years prior to that, that I was getting sober myself. You know, here I am watching one of my friends who sat in one of these chairs many years ago that turned back to, to shooting up and chasing girls came to that day that he, he lost his life. You know, and how many times was he warned that if you allow this in or if you don't get back, if you don't do this, or you don't do that, you know, and now, you know, he lost his life. You know, and I share that testimony to try to use his life as an illustration that, you know, death is just around the corner for some of us. You know, and we lose people all the time. This community is, is mourning right now that there's been four or five people in the last week or two that have lost their life to something that we know could potentially take our lives. You know, and we have to come into the realization that this is a real thing. We have to come to the realization that any day could be our day. You know, that we're not indestructible. You know, we could leave here. I could leave here tonight and get in a car accident and die. We have no idea. No idea. And that we have to start coming to the understanding that we need to live our life with purpose for a reason other than trying to stay away from our pain. Because as long as I keep trying to run from my pain, I'm not focused on where I'm going. I'm just trying to get away from where I was. And it's so important that we realize that there is a whole other way to live. If you would have told me that this way worked, I wouldn't have bought it. I wouldn't have believed it. If you would have told me that Jesus was more than religion, I wouldn't have believed it. I thought that this was conformed rules for people that weren't smart enough, that, that needed a crutch. You know, even though I got raised in the church, I did not come into contact with a real understanding that Jesus Christ was alive and that I can have a relationship with him. And as that began to take place in my life, my eyes were opened that this is there's a whole other way to live that I did not even think existed. And Zephaniah is telling them that you don't want to live this way, that there is a completely different way to live. You know, and they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Shh, shh, shh. You know, and he's trying to create this image, as I am tonight, that bad things can happen. You know, we have to come into understanding that bad things happen. Bad things can happen. That if we live a specific way, we're putting ourselves in a higher risk rate for potentially awful things, horrific things to come our way. But if we turn our lives over to the Lord, that our lives begin to take a different path. You know, and Zephaniah is maintaining this, this image that this army is coming. You know, and in... In the rooms we hear jails, institutions, and death. Jails, institutions, and death. You know, and some of us, you know, we 
are on the, the risk of losing marriages and losing children. You know, there's other things that we can lose. You know, if we continue, you know, losing parents. You know, this, you know, this craziness, you know, addiction, you know, idol worship, however you want to, you know, say it, it affects everybody. There's not anybody on this world that doesn't know somebody that's affected with something that's ruining their lives. Many of us in here have had our lives ruined by addictions in many different, you know, forms. You know, and we have to realize that there's a completely different way to live, and it's not easy sometimes. It's not easy to live that other lifestyle alone and try to figure out how to follow Jesus when we have this thing that's pulling us and pulling us and constantly wearing on us. But I believe that if we seek God, that hopelessness state of mind and body, those temptations become less and less and less that you know, we don't even want to go down certain streets because we know where we will end up. You know, and we set ourselves up for victory today rather than seeing how close I can get to temptation and trying to resist. You know, for most of my life, it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to touch it. I'm not going to, okay, I'm going to do it. You know, I had no chance of victory. You know, and today I've learned that I have weaknesses. You know, and I have to come into my humanity and realize that there are certain places that I don't need to be. There are certain people I don't need to be around. Are they bad people? No, they're just doing stuff that I can't do and I don't want to do. Am I scared to do it? No. Can I go around people that are doing it? Sure. Is it risky? Absolutely. Do I want to do it on a regular basis? No way. You know, I can walk today without having fear, but I also have to walk today with having respect for places that I don't want to travel. You know, because I am human, and as much clean time I have, as much Jesus as I may have, I can make one wrong decision that sends my life out of control. You know, that I am, you know, a man that can make stupid decisions. I've done many of them. So the chances of me doing another one are high. And since I don't want to be, I need to to continue to chase after Jesus. You know... But as Zephaniah is, is telling about how this demise is going to take place, you know, he's also offering this message of hope. That he, he doesn't just have this message of, of destruction. That he's talking about that sometimes we can't avoid what's coming. You know, I've committed the crime and it's coming. But that doesn't mean that I can't seek Jesus and say, you know what, Jesus, things need to change. You know, and I've watched how he's moved in people's lives. I've watched him get people out of prison that shouldn't be out of prison. I've watched people that have spent a long time in prison that have many felonies on their record get jobs that they have no right getting. I've watched how he's walked people out of desperate situations and and gave them their kids back. I've watched people that have lost everything been completely restored following Jesus. I've watched it time and time and time again. There is no way that that should happen except God. You know, and it's so important that we realize that Jesus is this game changer. Now, it doesn't mean that I can twist Jesus' arm and start getting what I want because he knows what's going on in our heart. But when we surrender our lives to him and say, you know what, I'm tired of living this way. I'm tired of doing this stuff. All of a sudden, all of a sudden desperate situations 
begin to have hope. And all of a sudden, things begin to be restored. All of a sudden, our heart begins to change. All of a sudden, our mind begins to change. All of a sudden, that time that that thing is calling us, we're like, no way, I'm not doing it now. And all of a sudden, families begin to come back together. All of a sudden, you know, children begin to be restored to their parents. All of a sudden, parents begin to be restored to their children. All of a sudden, brothers and sisters all of a sudden begin to communicate where before they couldn't communicate because they just wanted to kill each other. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. But anyway, you know, as God is moving in these situations, that Zephaniah is asking for his people that you can't avoid what's coming. You know, you can't avoid parole. You can't avoid probation. You can't avoid this. You can't avoid that. You know, we can't avoid sickness sometimes. You know, we love being sick, right? You know, a lot of us have been sick, and that's why I'm saying it. You know, we've had the plague going through our own house. There's been several of us that have been out of commission in the last few days. You know, we can't avoid certain things. But that doesn't mean that we can't have hope in the midst of desperate situations. You know, Zephaniah is asking for them to seek the Lord. You know, what I'm trying to do tonight is get you to look at Jesus. Seek Jesus. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about a set of rules. I'm not talking about trying to be good. Because God knows that we can't be good. If there's rules, we're going to break them. Right? Like, I'm going to break the rules on trying to be good. I don't know why that makes sense in my head. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how to behave myself. But when I begin to seek Jesus, and try to figure out who Jesus was for me. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about going to church. I'm talking about trying to figure out how to have a relationship with this Jesus guy. Everyone's telling me I need Jesus. Well, how does that work? And as I began to figure out who Jesus is, everything began to change. All of a sudden, my heart began to not want certain things that I didn't know how to ever let go of. All of a sudden, I woke up one day, and that desire was gone. All of a sudden, I wanted to start helping people. What? Like, I don't care about people. I remember someone's like, hey, we're doing this after-school program down at Martin Luther King. Do you want to help? I'm like, sure. I'm like, what did you say? I'm like, I'll pick you up in the morning. Like, what time? Seven. I'm like, sure. I'm like, what did you just say? And I went there, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be awful. The first day I swore at one of the kids. I went to the lady that was running the program. I'm like, um, I gotta tell you something. Oh well, you're all I'm like, I swore at one of the kids. You can't do that. I'm like, I know. It just happened. But at the end of that summer, as I kept showing up to Martin Luther King, right over here, and I started playing with those kids and and, and you know, serving lunch to those kids and playing kickball with those kids and playing dodgeball with some of those kids sometimes. Like Taking out some of my frustrations. In the name in the name of Jesus. All of a sudden my heart began to melt and I realized that dude, these kids ain't any different than me. They came from broken homes just like I did. They just grew up in a different place. You know, and some of those kids were so happy to see me, and I'm still in contact with some of those kids thirteen years later. You know, we're friends on Facebook. Some of them come to the church. Some of them are actually getting married and doing well. I remember one day he showed up to the church. He's like, I know you. And I'm like, I don't know you. He's like, yeah, I know you. And I'm like, okay. 
And he started explaining it. I'm like, oh, I do know you. And that moment, that summer, I left a lasting impression on someone's life that I had no idea. God used me in a place that I did not know much about Him, but all of a sudden I became willing to do things His way. We have no idea what Jesus can do with us. If you would have told me that I would have went to Jamaica to help people stay sober and not get high, I would have told you you were high. I've been to Jamaica twice. I dreamed about going to Jamaica my whole life so you could just smoke weed all day long. And he sends me there when I'm sober. This is crazy. Like Jesus got some practical jokes in his pocket. You know, go to India, go to Africa, go to... What? No. Okay. Things begin to change on the inside of us when we begin to seek God, not just try to stay sober. So often we've been just trying to resist temptation and get a little bit of freedom. I just need to stay away from the internet. I just need to stay away from the casino. I just need to stay away from cupcakes. I just need to stay sober. I need to stay away from so-and-so. But there's no change on the inside that we go through the motions long enough that we think that all of a sudden, poof, this miracle has happened, but we're not seeking a different alternative of how to live. And it's so important... It's so important that we try to figure out a different solution. Because we've been looking to all these different solutions to fix the inward problem. See, I am convinced today that I do not have a drug, alcohol, sex, food problem. I have a pain problem that I use drugs, alcohol, food, and sex to fix. And until I begin to deal with my pain, I'm going to continue to use drugs, alcohol, sex, and food to solve my problem. But it doesn't work. It just creates more problems. And see, that's what's going on in this. Two thousand years, three, two and a half thousand years ago, they're doing the same thing. God's not moving fast enough. Well, I'm just going to sacrifice some children. We're doing that in our culture right now. We're trying to get money off of this thing. Well, this isn't working. We'll just do it this way. This isn't working. We'll just do it that way. But what our nation needs to do is seek God. What I need to do is seek God. What we need to do is seek God. What's God going to do with you? I have no idea. If you were to tell me what God's going to do with me, there's no way I would have believed you. And all of a sudden, he takes people that used to run the street, in and out of prison, in and out of jail, and starts to restore them into people of society. (laughs) Respectable members. Like, who would have thought? Right? You know, he takes some of us that have lived in fairly decent lives, but we've had these secrets that have been destroying us. And it's been bringing destruction into our families. And all of a sudden, that stuff starts to get exposed because we can't hide it anymore. Because no matter how much we get, it's not enough. And all of a sudden, things start to sneak out and seep out, and we make a mistake, and everybody starts to look at us, and we feel the shame of our decisions, right? Jesus is the ultimate solution to our shame. Because he wipes that shame away. That nowhere in recovery of any said disease or addiction do I find shame completely wiped away, except when I look into the eyes of Jesus Christ. That he wipes that condemnation away. That I can begin to live free of my past life, and I get this whole new life that I can choose to live. Now, it's all there, but it doesn't rule me like it used to. 
Because I've given my heart to Christ and I say, I don't want to live that way anymore. Does it poof all of a sudden get better? No. Can I, can I be honest with you? However, I have a new focus. I can find hope. I find hope in His Word. I find hope in my relationship with Him. Where I've never found it ever. Anywhere I've turned, it just felt like more shame. And I needed more. I needed more. I needed more. It was never enough. And as I sought after Jesus, things began to change in my life. And this is what Zephaniah is telling them. Repent. Seek the Lord. And through that, your heart will begin to change and He will begin to rise up a remnant. He will begin to move in a population where everything seems hopeless. I don't know what some of you are going through. But I know what some of you have been through. And it was hopeless. But God. God began to move. Not religion. God. That you began to seek God. And all of a sudden, the things in your head began to change. The things in your heart began to change. All of a sudden, you found hope in a very desperate situation where you didn't have it before. All of a sudden, He started showing you a way out. And all of a sudden, you started listening to that little voice that you've been ignoring for all these years. And all of a sudden, He's starting to guide your steps. And all of a sudden, you don't listen to the little voice. And all of a sudden, crash happens. Like, whoop, back to the little voice. All of a sudden, God starts showing you how those little tiny prayers that you don't think anyone's listening to start getting answered. Like, oh, that's a coincidence. Oh, that's a coincidence. Oh, that's ironic. No, God's paying attention to the things that you're even uttering in your mind that you don't even say out loud. How many of us have had some of those crazy prayers answered and we're like, wow, that's, that's, that's crazy that that happened. God loves each and every one of us so much that He wants to move in our lives to bring restoration, but He has to break off all the junk. So often we're trying to get sober or change and we're dragging the junk with us. Like, come on, junk. Some of that junk is a relationship that we know we should get out of. We've known it and known it and known it. We've been told. We've heard it. We've told ourselves, this is the time. This has got to happen. This is going to change. And then, oh, hey, how are you? Let's hang out some more. And we're like, why is this happening? Why can't I get what I want? And it's like, God's like, hello, I'm the thing that you really want. And it's so hard to believe that this imaginary, invisible thing is the thing that's going to fill my heart. But it's true. There's testimony after testimony after testimony of people's lives that have been changed by saying, Jesus, I don't even know if you're real, but if you are, come into my life and change. Help me to change. And then you pick up that Bible that seems such like a million pounds and you flip it open and you start reading those words and tears start coming down your face and you don't even know why. It's because the love of God begins to come over you and you start to feel that there is hope in a very desperate situation. Zephaniah is continuing to warn them over and over and over again and they don't listen. He begins to include the things that are going on around them that the Philistines and the Moabites and the Amorites and the Assyrians, he accuses them of violence and corruption and arrogance. And all these things will fall before Babylon. And the final group of people of Jerusalem will begin, their leaders and their prophets and their priests are all corrupt. Their violence has led them astray. Their corruption has led them astray. That God wants to move in our situations. 
Now, some of these words don't make any sense. We don't know who they are. You know, and it's only through studying this stuff that we learn that these are some of the nations that are around us. You know, around them, sorry. But also, each one of these people worship different gods. You know, and they had different types of acts of worship. Some of these people worshiped sex. You know, they would do anything for sex. They would have temple prostitutes. They would have sex to worship God. Some of these people would take their firstborn children and sacrifice them so that they could get a crop, so they could make some money. Some of these people would worship all sorts of different animals, and they would sacrifice these animals, some of the moons, the stars, the skies. You know, we see that stuff in our culture now. It's the same stuff that was going on way back then that brought destruction. It's the same stuff that's bringing destruction in the culture that we have. It's the same stuff that's brought destruction in my life. How about you? You know, as much as I try to seek after certain things, pain continues to come my way. You know, God begins to say that he's going to gather up all these nations. And he's going to pour out this burning indignation, this justice, this all-consuming fire that's going to devour evil in the land. Which sounds really intense. But Zephaniah describes that this fire isn't to destroy, but rather it's going to purify the nation. That God says he's going to heal and transform a rebellious nation. And he's going to unify the family of God. Some of us, we come from all different places. And this all-consuming fire, which we would say is the Holy Spirit, has come and burned holes in our hearts and began to purify us, that there's things that we could not live without. All of a sudden, I have no desire to touch those things. He's come to purify our hearts and our minds. Are we instantly perfect? Absolutely not. However, the things that we couldn't live without, the things that we woke up chasing in our minds that I had to get, I got to get it, I need it, I got to go after it, I'll do whatever to have it. All of a sudden, that voice is gone. All of a sudden, I want to do the right thing. All of a sudden, I'm trying to do the right thing. All of a sudden, I'm trying to bring, you know, restoration into my family. All of a sudden, I'm trying to get a legit job. What the heck is that all about? You know what I mean? Like, there's stuff that's happening inside of us that we're like, wow, I can't even believe the person that I'm turning into. And it's because God begins to purify us from the inside out. The inside out. You know, after being purified, they will turn from their evil ways and call upon the name of the Lord. The images will point to the fulfillment of God's promise through Abraham back in Genesis 12, that God will find a way to bless the nations through Jerusalem. You know, that we stand in a promise that was prophesied over 3,000 years ago, that the nations will be blessed by God through Jesus. You know, right now, all over the world, there's people traveling to all over, every single country almost. And people are there talking about Jesus to people that have never heard about Jesus. In such a way that brings love and freedom. That it doesn't bring judgment. That it's so important that we realize that God's presence wants to begin to restore each and every one of us. That God's presence is real. You know, as we were worshiping this evening, it's new for some of us and it's different for some of us. Some of us have never experienced that type of, that music or that type of setting. I remember the first time that I walked into it and I see people singing and they're raising their hands. I'm like, whoa, buddy, I got to go. 
And then I would come again, and they're doing it, and it would be weird. And I'd come again, and they're doing it, and it would be weird. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to show up after the music. And I showed up after the music, and I heard the teaching. And I'm like, the teaching's good. The music's a little weird. <laughs> just being honest. Right? Can I be honest with you? Some of us today are like, I don't know what's going on. It's all dark in here. People are singing and some of them are raising their hands. But some of us, even though you weren't really singing, all of a sudden had a tear in your eye. All of a sudden you felt like something was going on. You know, I told Andrew to turn off the music when I walked on the stage. I walked on the stage and I was told to stop. And I stood here and tears started rolling down my eyes. Even talking about it, the tears are starting to form in my eyes because the presence of God is moving in this room. And some of you have never experienced anything like tonight ever before in your entire life. I used to be there. Every one of us in this room used to be there. We didn't grow up like this. It's Friday night. This is not where we would be. Come on, right? It's Friday night. It's like nine, 8 o'clock. We're getting ready to go get ready. We're pre-gaming the pre-game. Most of us are already having the bag. But anyway, it's Friday night, and we're in a church listening to a tattooed bald dude with a big beard talk about Jesus. If that's not a freaking miracle, I don't know what is. Think about that. Like something's already happening. But there's something about worship. I didn't get it because I thought it was music. It's music that I would never listen to. Like, I don't listen to that. That's weird. They need to like drop the tuning and start screaming and we might have something going on here. Yeah, okay, I can listen to that. But I remember one day, all of a sudden tears started to flow. And I put my head down and I'm like, no. I didn't want to cry in public. And the next week I came and I just put my head down because I didn't want that to happen again. And someone came over and put their hand on my shoulder and they prayed for me. I have no idea what they prayed. The tears started coming more and more. And I went over to the side. I got out away from the people and I raised my hands. And the tears began to come and I felt the presence of God come over me like I've never experienced ever in my life. If you would have told me it was real, I would have said, hell no. There's no way... That God's presence is real. But I've learned today that it's really the solution to what ails me inside. That I've done anything to chase addictions. Can we agree? Where has it left us? Broken and in pain. That if I take just a little bit of that effort and say, you know what, Jesus? I'm going to give you a little bit of time and try to figure this stuff out. He can do such a miracle in the worst of us because I am one of the worst of us. Most of us in here, we're the worst in our families. That we've lost everything. Some of our families wouldn't want to be around us because we get in the house, we take stuff. We create fights no matter where we go. We create chaos no matter where we go. That we can't go anywhere without substances. We can't go anywhere without, you know, creating chaos. And what if we took a little bit of that effort and said, you know what, I'm going to try to figure out this Jesus stuff. 
Because that's what I did back in the day. That I have tried every which way to try to get sober and it didn't work. Because I was trying to get sober, not really trying to change. Does that make sense? Do you understand what I'm saying? We try to abstain, but not try to change. And if I do not change, I cannot abstain. And we've proven that over and over and over again, haven't we? As much as I don't want to, I find myself doing the thing I told myself I'd never do. Oh wait, that's the scripture. Believe it or not. Romans 7, it says, why can't I do the things I don't want to do? And why can't I do the things that I want to do? It's because I have this sin nature inside me that pulls me in the wrong direction. And in chapter 8, it talks about the solution. That There's a solution in the blood of Jesus. That the blood of Jesus wipes away the shame and he gives me a new path to live. I know that this is new for some of you. I know this is a little strange for some of you. It was for me too. If you would have told me 15 years ago that I would be a preacher and a pastor, there's no way that we wouldn't have words. And they would be very colorful words. I promise you that this is a solution for what ails you in a way that you've never even imagined. That Zephaniah is talking to these people and saying, turn back to God. Some of us didn't get raised in Christian homes. That's fine. It's almost better that way, to be honest with you. There's so much less you have to unlearn. There's so much damage that gets happened in Christian homes that the number one cause of atheism is a Christian. That everyone knows a Christian. They're like, I don't want anything to do with that. Trust me, I know a few. I go to church a lot. But I've met Jesus. Just like I wouldn't let people run me out of the streets, there's nothing that's going to run me away from Jesus. Because why? That's the solution to what ails me. I've been chasing all these different things all my life. And I was left in chaos and pain, broken, depressed, and anxious. And I began to turn to Jesus. And all of a sudden there was a peace and a hope that I've never experienced before in my life. And I hope anything that you begin to see There's a hope for you no matter what you're going through. No matter how hard it is right now. I think we all can think that a drink and a drug is going to make it worse. Going back to the internet and looking at stuff is going to make it worse. Going to the casino or gambling in some way, shape, or form is going to make it worse. Eating some more is not going to make it better. Although it sounds like a good idea. (laughs) We'd like our food. That's true. Zephaniah says that God will live among you. That He will celebrate you with songs of joy. The end of this book is these powerful images that God is going to gather us up into a family. The outcast, the poor, the broken. Can we fit into that category? And He's going to make us into a family. Those of us that have been coming around here a while, aren't we a family? Isn't this almost like the best family that we've ever had? Are we perfect? No. Are we dysfunctional? Yes. What do we have? Jesus. You know what we're not doing? A lot of that painful stuff anymore. And we're trying to figure out how to live life together. But there's hope in this place. And I really encourage some of those new faces to keep coming back. Because there's something that's happening in this room... That's special. Because we point to Jesus and Jesus alone. 
You know, that the Bible is talking about the broken. You know, the Pharisees, the religious rulers of that day, when Jesus walked around, that he would hang out with prostitutes, tax, tax collectors, and alcoholics. And they would say, Don't he, doesn't he know who he's hanging out with? And he would say, yeah. You know, healthy people don't think they need a doctor, but sick people do. Don't we need doctors? You know, that Jesus is that great physician, and he comes in and he begins to heal the brokenhearted. That Jesus was known to hang out with notorious sinners. <laughs> We're some notorious sinners. I don't know what. You know, he was known to hang out with scum. I've been pretty scummy. I've smelt pretty scummy at times. You know, and we've been to some really dark places. Not just in this life, but in here too. Some of the worst places that we've been is, is between our ears. It can get really dark and really evil in there. And when we start asking Jesus into our mind, He begins to renew, He begins to heal the things that we used to think about, the things that are just mulling over in our head over and over and over again. Begin to change, begin to shift. The areas of brokenness, areas of abuse begin to lift. Our identity is not that we got abused or molested or raped or abandoned or rejected. Our identity begins to be in Christ, that we can be restored, that we're loved, that He adopts us into His family. He adopts us into who we are called to be. That there is a whole other way to live. It's completely different than we ever realized. And it's so good. Is it easy? Not always. There's some good days, there's some bad days. Life's life. Can I just be honest with you? Life is life. However, instead of turning to the things that we used to turn, we have now something else that we can turn to. And it says that He lives among us. That we can turn to Him. That we can pray to Him. That we can pick up our Bibles. That we can listen to music. We can talk about other, you know, with other people that believe what we believe. And all of a sudden we have this hope that begins to usher into the room that we've never experienced before. You know, the, the book ends, you know, that there's these contrasts. That he's talking about justice. You know, and then he brings justice into to break off the horrors of this world that humankind bring this evil and this violence and, and, and all these things that God can't tolerate, these horrible things that people do. But God begins to shift and he says that justice brings order. If some of us never got arrested, we would have never got sober. I know sitting in a jail cell, I was like, I don't want to live this way anymore. That my mind began to shift, like i got to figure out how to stay sober because I'm tired of wearing orange. That his justice, rightfully so, and I'm glad I didn't get caught for all the crimes that I did commit. Because I probably would have never got let out. But anyway, that's another story. That his justice brings order. The fact that we got caught in what we were doing brings change. The fact that we can't live a certain way brings change. And he uses it to bring forth peace. And in his love, Zephaniah forces us to hold on to these things, that there is justice, but there is love. And when we we focus on that he loves us individually, that everything begins to change. That you're loved. That you don't have to act better. That you're loved right now. That some of you may not have ever heard this before. 
But I am telling you that Jesus loves you 100% right now as you sit, not changing a thing. But because of that love, some of us have never felt love. And as we press into Jesus, we all of a sudden feel a love that we've never experienced before in our lives. And that love begins to penetrate the depths of who we are that we want to change. Because if someone had loved us as little kids, we might not be where we are today. Just a thought. Some of us had good families, but not perfect. There is no such thing. But as we begin to learn that Jesus loves us, even if we go and do the same things that we've been struggling with, Jesus loves you in the midst of that. And as we try to figure out how can he love me, all of a sudden things begin to shift in our lives because we realize that his love is so awesome, I would want more of it. It's not about rules. It's about pursuing someone that loves you so much that wouldn't you want to get to know him? That there's hope in that love that we've never experienced anywhere else but here, or with him, I mean. Do you just bow your heads with me? Lord, we just thank you so much. We thank you for all that you're doing in this place. Lord, I pray that the men and women in here would have hope tonight. I pray that they would feel and experience your love. No matter what they're going through, no matter what they're struggling with, Lord, I pray that you would help them to see that there is a way out of whatever they're struggling with. And Lord, I pray that you would move in each man and woman's situation, Lord, that they would begin to see how your hands are in the midst of it, even though it may be a struggle, even though it may be painful, even though we may not understand what's going on, we can see how you're moving. Lord, I'm just up here trying to to preach your word, Lord, and I, I pray that some of the words that were spoken here tonight really penetrated deep, that seeds were planted, that they are, they're lovable, that there's hope, that there was coincidences that took place tonight, that the irony of things that I said and the way that I said it were conversations that took place today, even this week. Lord, that you're paying attention to each man and woman and what they're going through, Lord. Help them to realize that your love is trying to, to draw them near to you, Lord, just Coming here tonight, some of us woke up not knowing that we were going to be in this chair. And yet here we sit, hearing your message of love. Not judgment, love. Lord, that you want to come into our lives and love us out of the pain that we're in. So help us. Help us to pursue you. Help us not to feel that we need to perform. Help us not to feel that we have to behave a certain way. Help us to just realize that we're loved. And through that love that we want to pursue it, and maybe it will change us forever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen.